What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Smoking Section. I'm your host, KJ, and on today's episode, I'm joined by a sponsor of the review. His name's Gordy, and he's from Grower Soil and Cutting Edge Solutions, and he's also known on IG as Growers Grown. What's going on, Gordy? How's it going? Hey, man. How you doing? Thanks for having me on. Doing great. I'm doing great. Thanks for coming on. Uh, so in likely fashion of the smoking section, we usually get something lit up. Uh, you got something to medicate with over there? Yeah, I'm sitting with some bubble hash in front of me right now. Wonderful. So some of my favorite. I'm a joint guy. I've got a little, little runts here. Uh, nice. I've been looking to get some new bags here soon to actually maybe do a wash of this runts. I think it would actually produce pretty well. It's it's a very hashy plant. Nice. Yeah. I'm there's lots of runs here in Michigan. I do a lot of uh some live washing of bubble hash nowadays. I've been making bubble for about 12 years. I've been growing for 20 years now. Um you know, I used to do the dried trim waste product as bubble. Um but now I'm doing just fresh frozen flour with dry ice and uh the quality is just tremendously better. Absolutely. Absolutely. I've been thinking about doing that myself. I was just pricing out some dry ice at my local grocery store uh, earlier this week, actually. Um, now, the, the bubble bags that you got, uh, we were talking a little earlier, so you get them from Amazon? Yeah, I just got a set from Amazon. Um, they are, I believe, the, the Amazon Prime Choice ones when you go and look through them. Uh, but they're a, com- they're a complete mesh bag, so they don't have the fabric on the wall. And what that does is it allows it to drain out of the side. So you're just your filter bags work a lot faster. And what I have going on is a uh, I got a five gallon set that I set down underneath a 30 gallon trash can. And I have a 30 gallon beater bag. And then I just have a valve on the bottom that I open up and dump into my five gallon filter bags. Uh, That sounds fantastic. I'm going to have to hop on there and get me a set. Yeah, mine kind of they went kind of not moldy, but. They were just caked with resin, so I've got to get me a new set. Yeah, and, you know, I think the best way to store those that I've come across, because I've gone through a lot of sets of them myself, is when they're still wet, I give them a really good rinse with the hose and get all the material off them. And then I just kind of wring them out and roll them up and stick them in a Ziploc bag and throw them right back into the freezer. And I just never let them dry out or get warm. (laughs) That's it, man. That's That's a pro tip right there. Yeah, you'll, they'll last considerably longer. You just never let them dry out and never let them, you know, get warm enough to where the uh, trichome that's remaining will stick in the in the holes and gunk it up. Uh, so we were talking a little uh, bit about your breeding projects. Uh, we're going to try to get you on Thursdays with Thor to talk with Thor from Viking Gardens. Uh, but uh, tell me a little bit about your breeding projects you had going on this year. Um, so I've been working on this stuff for a little while now. Um, you know, it's a slow process and doesn't happen overnight for sure. But, um, what I did was I took uh fast buds, four twenties, gorilla glue four. Um, and then I crossed that back to a land race, Mazar Aishari, which is from Northern Afghanistan. Uh, so they have some kind of land race Afghans and stuff in that area, um, which are really stocky and have a lot of really good quality traits to them. Uh, they're just not very potent or very good flowers to smoke. Um, but what I was trying to do was just kind of breed back to some land race and get it a little bit more beefy and just kind of increase my size and my yield and then use the Gorilla Glue to increase the, the quality of the flower. The other thing that this let me do was go back to uh, standard male and female breeding because I was able to find standard regular genetics when you go to buy land race. Because I'm, I'm kind of anti-fem seed. 
Are you? Yeah. Uh, well, that's something that Thor was going over as well, is that whenever you're you're doing your selections, that's usually going to be the best way to really pheno hunt and find the best phenos possible. But then on the flip side, whenever you're, if you're, your aim is to sell seeds to consumers, films a lot of times are helpful just for, you know, people that have a smaller setup. And yeah, and I don't, don't have a problem like with single generation fems, you know, that's definitely something I plan to do with my, my seeds is the generation right before, you know, I go to release, do a single feminization. Right. Um, but, you know, have a standard regular male being the, the majority of the breeding. Cause I feel like it is a, a genetic thing that after so many generations of feminization, they are just going to naturally start doing that process on their own. And I'd hate to yeah. be responsible for ruining somebody's tent. We all put in way too much effort for that. Yeah. And then that's something else that he, he kind of touched on too. He was telling me that uh, whenever you, you know, if you want to do your own breeding, it's best to not use like two films. If you're trying to cross uh, anything or reverse and, and cross, don't use two already feminized strains. He says you should really go for a, a male and female and or, or regular seeds rather and reverse that cross that, 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 ends up with less herms in the end yeah because it's just like anything else i mean if you think about like you like a fat leaf trait for instance right if we continue to breed plants with fat leaves together that's all we're going to end up with eventually and i kind of feel like you know if we only feminize with with hermaphroditic pollen over and over that's that's all we're going to end up well that's really cool that you're working with the land races man i think it it, we really need to kind of pivot and go back to uh, some of those land races and I think there's really some traits in there that that we could we could unlock and and start bringing into the medical market. But this is Liam with Atlas Seed, proud sponsor of the Autoflower Review. For direct access to the best of the best of our genetic library, check out our breeder selection marketplace at www.atlasseed.com. Now to the review. Here's a little twist on, uh, I guess, world news uh, as far as land races go. In Afghanistan, uh, you know, it's currently in the current state of the world. It's being ran and controlled by the Taliban, who mm-hmm. just uh, outlawed cannabis in Afghanistan. I I just talked about this on a, a live that I did the uh, Sunday. We had this discussion. Um, you know, what's really interesting about this, though, um, is if we look all all the way back to the 70s when the CIA kind of left and Russia moved in. There's all uh-huh. of this infrastructure that's been continually put in in southern Pakistan in northern Afghanistan. We did it for a while. Russia did it for a while. We've tossed back and forth. But there's about $20 billion worth of irrigation that's been installed up there for Russian cotton that was abandoned. So Really? Yeah, so there's this long-lasting, every-decade political move where the Taliban is either in Afghanistan or they're in Pakistan. Um, and it's this motion of, okay, all the hash comes down to Afghanistan for so many years and then politically things change and it goes back up to Pakistan again. Um, and that's why those genetics are so similar. And that's why you have that, the Kush genetic scheme coming out of things up there is because they've taken these really quality hash plants and moved them back and forth over and over. Um, but yeah, there's, there's been billions of dollars in infrastructure to move water to um, you know, water cotton and stuff. And instead it waters large, vast fields of weed and opium. <laughs> well, I mean, to each his own, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's our, that's our hard tax dollar at work right there. That's it, man. 
but yeah, that's, that's it's interesting. It's uh, you know, we all assume that that it's kind of one of those things that even in its own land where it's from, right there in Central Asia, there's still cannabis persecution for some reason. Yeah, and that's that's a sad state of the world. However, yeah, I have been seeing more and more, um, I, uh, not exactly posts, but uh, articles. Maybe that's the word for it on people trying to move autoflowers into the Middle East. Uh, there's a, there's a guy I want to say he, he is on Instagram. There's a, like land race expressions or something like that. He's, he's over there and he, he works with those hash makers and, uh, apparently he brought over some autoflower seeds and was running them over there and they actually began taking on a little bit lankier traits, kind of like the photos do there. And I'm thinking that's probably due to the environment, but I thought mm-hmm. it was really interesting. Yeah, it it definitely is. Did you know it takes cannabis three generations to acclimate to its new environment? Did not know that. That is that is that is the natural adaptation rate of cannabis anywhere in the world. And it's one of the most flexible plants as far as moving north and south. So you could take a like a uh, like an einhorn wheat, right, which is what they grow in Ukraine. Uh And you could move it east or west as far as you wanted. But if you move it five degrees north or five degrees south, it doesn't grow anymore. Whereas cannabis is one of the most flexible plants for north and south transfer. And that's why there's so many phenotype expressions. And that's, I mean, yeah, that would, that totally makes sense. That's why everyone has different, different seasons. And I mean, it, certain crops only grow in certain areas. Yeah. Yeah. I never thought about that. That's actually, <laughs> that's really interesting. So does that mean anything in particular for a home grower that may be, you know, making seeds for themselves yeah definitely i mean if you're three generations in your backyard that's officially your backyard strain you know and if you're thinking about like you and i for instance with very short outdoor seasons um you know we would want to do an an idl line or an inbred line in your in your yard or wherever you're growing and uh you know acclimate that strain to your region that's, that's why you and I wouldn't want to choose like a equatorial sativa. You know what I mean? Yeah, I've actually, man, last year I had Nirvana's, uh, uh, what was it? Nirvana's raspberry cough. And that thing is like 16 weeks in flower or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like the old Mexican seeds I used to pick out of my dad's weed when I was a kid. Yeah, so basically I just grew a bud rot plant. Uh-huh. It's embarrassing, but, you know, it is it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, and if you think about, you know, where a lot of the genetics actually come from that do well in your region and my region, you know, that you follow that, that 45th parallel right around through northern Afghanistan, southern Pakistan. Yeah. Well, I've noticed that autos seem to do really well here. Also, something about the, I don't, I don't know, they, they, they deal better with rain and in in the summertime than they do mm-hmm. in the winter time for sure. But yeah, I can usually def- I can usually crank out like at least one or two cycles in a summer. Yeah, exactly. That's one of the reasons that I like it. Uh, you know, in Michigan we're allowed 12 plants. So I tell mm-hmm. a lot of people that I sell seeds to, you know, if you start one plant every single week until your pack runs out, you know, your first one is ready to harvest and then every week you can pull one plant down. And that's really cool, man. I, I really want a lot of these commercial guys to at least hold auto flowers as an option. You know, uh, I, I understand if you're, you know, you're trying to grow a lot of weight, put a lot of weight into the market. That's all fine and dandy. But 
I think there's there's room for auto flowers in the in the commercial market. Um, I was I was telling Thor about uh, there was this guy that moved here to Washington. He bought a turnkey system. He bought a, an outdoor farm, I think, uh, east of the mountains here. And in order to turn a profit that year, so he could pay his bills, he dropped an entire crop of auto flowers. Was done in under ninety days. Uh, sold it, washed it for hash. Mm-hmm. He was able to pay his bills. I was like, and that is that's how you do it. That's how you you use them to your advantage. Yep, I had a farm here that did that. They had two thirty by one twenty greenhouses that they filled up uh, with Mendo twenty twenty genetics and. Um, you know, that's how he paid all of his expenses for his outdoor, all of his trim crews, all of his processing, everything got paid off with those two greenhouses first thing in the spring. And uh, it's a great business model. It really is. Yep. And and for any anybody out there that is a commercial grower, there are options for you. I know that you can't clone auto flowers, you know, at least to make them viable for a commercial setting, but you can buy seeds in bulk. And there are companies out there that are breeding for that exact purpose. Yeah, there's a lot of that where you don't see that in the photo arena. You know, we're aware that you're not going to clone it. So, you know, the the cost of seeds in bulk for auto comparatively is typically is a lot cheaper. Yeah. Yeah. You're not paying $600 for a pack of some kind of crazy strain. You know, you're, you're going to, you're going to pull a, a particular line that someone's been working on as, as, generally feminized for a commercial grow like that i know atlas atlas seeds they do that um Mm -hmm. i know full duplex from noem automatics he just had a commercial grow done down in arizona Um, i think i can't remember the strain they run it ran for him i want to say it was coal miner's daughter possibly i've heard really good things about that one i haven't got to try that yet I haven't grown a coal miner's daughter myself, but I have done a few of his strains. Um, Blackstrap is probably the craziest uh, strain by him that I've personally ran. Um, that was just, it put out a good amount for an autoflower, absolutely. It was good, like, bag appeal was there. It, the terpenes are nuts. It seems like everything that he produces has just these wild terpenes. It's Ace of Spades. Also, another wild one. That was a collaboration between uh, him and Homegrown Cannabis Company. I just, speaking of spending too much money on seeds, just bought a single pack for two hundred and fifty bucks the other day. Um, <laughs> it's a it's a Gorilla Skittles. Oh, my uh, friends were in Spain for Spanibus, and they went to uh, the Fast Buds booth. And they're just, that's like their newest strain that they're just releasing. So they had a bunch of packs of it there. So he bought me a pack of it. It tests at uh, 29.7% total cannabinoid. Oh, wow. Yeah, I had seen something where they had just got a uh, total, and I guess they hooked the record, per se, of having the strongest autoflower on the market. Apparently, they've entered it into a bunch of hash competitions, and they're beating normal photo period growers with it. I mean, yeah, I believe it. I was like, that is the type of female that I'd like right there. So buy me some packs of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, man. Yeah. yeah. So I don't, there's a bunch of new cool stuff on the market. I just feel like, you know, when I started growing autos, I think seven or eight years ago, man, they were all like 11, 12 inches tall. 
And, you know, I, I had literally thought about the whole reason I started screwing with it was because they were a foot tall. I have nothing but those tree ferns everywhere, you know, where I live. And I was like, dude, I can do 300 of them out in that field and end up just poke through the ferns, maybe. And it was ideal, but they've come such a long way. They really have. They really have. And I've, I've talked to everybody about this, man. And I, I get it from a lot of a lot of these commercial guys that I bump into and work with here and there. And they they all still have that old school mindset. Like it's, it's all just crossed with low riders. So it's all just kind of meh, ditch weed, you know. And I'm like, no, man, they they have done some serious work to these things. Like they they put in the work. This isn't just some land race crossed with whatever to try to get it to flower fast because you're growing it in your closet. No, they're they're putting in real commercial research and development into these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and there's some real new stuff, crazy new stuff on the market. I see it all the time, and I'm always impressed. It seems like the past three years, there's been a major jump in quality. Yeah, and FastBuds, they put out some great stuff, too. Uh, yeah, they definitely do. They have uh, their Gorilla Cookies. That's a famous one. I love their Gorilla Cookies. My Fino that I grew of theirs turned out fantastic. A couple other people I know, they'll say the same thing. Gorilla mm-hmm. Cookies is, is a fantastic. Yeah, I've done some of their orange sherbets. So we were talking about uh, doing a side-by-side using one of your company's nutrients, uh, cutting-edge solutions. So you shot me over a little sample pack of it that I'm running with, and uh, we're going to do a side-by-side with that versus General Hydro. We're going to see how it, how it fares. We are, uh, that, that's kind of the comparison on the market is the GH and us have always been, uh, similar style blends. You know, we're a micro growing bloom. Uh, we've both been on the market forever. Uh, cutting edge has been on the market for 23 years. GH has got us beat by, I think like seven years, maybe five years. Um, we've done some things that are a little different and took different, a different path than what they did. Um, so a lot of our inputs are pharmaceutical grade and uh, food grade input. So the phosphates are incredibly soluble because they're meant to be or they're pulled out of the medical market. Um, you know, and you don't have any dyes, hormones, PGRs um, or salts in there either. So even the dry formula that I had sent to you, that's our new louder powder formula. Uh, there's no sodium chloride in that. Wow. So we're mineral based. Uh, we try to be extremely clean. We're biologically friendly. So if you ever like to brew teas or anything like that, you can use teas or biologics with the synthetics that I sent you um, and you won't do any damage to them. Wow. It's totally mineral based, not salt. That's I didn't even didn't even realize that. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of that stuff, you know, uh, a lot of the cheaper companies, they don't like me calling people up directly, but a lot of the cheaper companies, uh, they use just general sodium chloride. Um, so, you know, a little fun fact about that, you know, I always get into these debates with people about organics versus uh, synthetics. Uh-huh. You know, this is a very common, long lasting debate. Um, so if you think about what a molecule looks like, you've got a big center and you have an ion and an anion floating around in it. Right. If you're organics, a, a bacterium or a fungi comes through and eats that center molecule out, the anion spins off and the ions are remaining. And that's what the plant eats. So synthetics are those ions bonded to either a mineral or a salt 
And when it hits the water, the salt is washed away and the ions are left a free radical and exposed and the plants eat them. At the end of the day, the plant is eating the same thing, whether it's organic or synthetic, it's just eating the ions off the, comp off the molecule. So we do that by bonding those to minerals rather than the sodium chloride, because like I said, it allows us to be bacterial friendly um, because really like, you know, your fungi and your bacteria in your medium are doing an immense amount of chemical processing and uh, enzymatic digestion of these minerals uh, and allowing your plant to uptake more of them. Okay. So let me ask you this. Uh, you know, generally on the on the indoor, I usually do. I mean, I've, I've stuck with my general hydro, and I have different additives that I use as well. And a lot of times when I'm, you know, flushing, generally, I'll notice that there's a lot of salt buildup. Um, is, is cutting edge going to leave like a mineral buildup or, or anything similar? Uh, if you're in like a hard water situation, then you will notice a mineral buildup. Um, but for most people who run RO or even city water, uh, you shouldn't see too much of that. Okay. All right. Well, it, since it's organic, cause I do all organic in my greenhouses. Um, I usually, I, I, I mix salts in, in my indoor, but mm -hmm. if it, if it's organic, friendly then i'm probably going to try to run it in my outdoor as well so i think i'm going to start looking into how to mix it for all of my vegetables as well yeah i i use it in my vegetable garden it's you, you know i have a um a part per million chart for you that i'll send you over that okay. shows you how to mix up that dry line for each individual type of vegetable okay so we even have fertilizer recommendation for vegetables. It's really amazing because everybody feels like cannabis is like the strongest, hardiest feeding plant on the planet. And you get into feeding vegetables and it doesn't <laughs> eat at all comparatively. Right. Like you have to mix up a five to six EC to feed a tomato correctly. Yep. And I, I talked to, you know, several of the teammates about this. I've even sent them a few seeds. But for the last five to seven years or so, I've been growing San Marzano tomatoes which are, you know, you generally exclusive to the San Marzano uh, region of Italy. And those things will absolutely demolish uh, a brick of soil. Yeah, some of those tomatoes feed crazy high numbers. I know like some of the Heinz brand tomatoes that they specifically make ketchup and stuff out of, they feed them at like a 6.5 to a 7 EC, which if you were to water that in in reference, like if you were to go into your tent and water a 7EC, you would absolutely come back to dead plants the next day. About to say, yeah, that's, whoa. It wouldn't even be like, oh, no, I burnt my leaves. It would be like, you know, that plant would just be done. Well, that's really cool, man. Yeah, I'm going to need that, that feed chart for it. So tell me about this, uh, these jugs that I have with it. So I've got the, the veg A, the veg B, the bloom A, the bloom B. And I got two gallon jugs. We've got the Sour D and the Uncle John's blend. So we have, uh, I'll start with the Uncle John's blend. This is a very unique liquid product on the market. There really isn't any other company who's making anything with a similar formulation to this. Um, so I don't have anything to reference for you to, you know. Um, but what this is, is it's a seaweed extract, a kelp extract, and a micronutrient blend. The micronutrient blend is specifically designed to increase oil and terpene content. Wow. So we worked with Fruit Growers Lab in California. Um, they do orchard testing. I've been doing it forever since the orchard companies originally moved into California. 
Um, so they're a third party lab that we use to test leaf samples. Um, so we come over the past 23 years have been testing. How does this work inside of cannabis? Um, how do we increase this the product availability inside of the plant? How do we make it more efficient? Um, and this is something that we've come up with is a specific type of mineral blend that what it does is it increases the plant's ability to make the enzyme that's responsible for making oils. So we're loading that plant up um, with all of the building blocks to make oil and it just comes out in the end. So you have higher terpene content, uh, your CBD, CBD, or CBC content will come up, T uh, THC will come up. Uh, if you're making rosin, you'll notice an, uh, an extract increase. Well, I, here's the hard question. And have you actually noticed a, a, a true difference in your own grow? Uh, yeah, I've been using these products for 12 years now or 13 years now. Um, and that really is like the one really cool takeaway product. If you had to take one thing from the line, I would tell you to take the Uncle John's blend. Um, it really does add in a lot of oil and effect. I notice when I don't use it. That's really cool. Then I'm looking forward to that then. Now, you said there were, it, it produces more terpenes. That's a claim that Terpenator makes. Now, what would be the difference there? Um, so Terpenator is, is attempting to do the same thing with a different chemical profile. Okay. Cause I think of the bottle, it says it's like mainly just potash. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, a lot of the time what you'll see, like with the sour D for instance, the other bottle I gave you, it's a zero zero two. Uh-huh. A lot of the time what happens is you'll have potassium locked onto these additives because it allows it to be chelated and uptaked by the root zone. So that's a lot of the time what you see on that bottle is the minimum government allowed labeling. Have you heard yeah. about this shit? This shit it makes your yield jump off 30%. 30%? And the terpenes are legit. Uh, what the shit? The this shit. This shit. This shit. This shit. Everything you thought you knew. This shit. Put it out the window because you don't need this shit in your grow. In your grow. Oh, no. Don't have a no-no in your grow? Use Fish Shed Soil Conditioner. Visit them at www.fishheadfarms.com. Fish Shed. Fish Shed. Fish Shed. Fish Shed. Everything you thought you knew. Fish Shed. Put it out the window. Cause you don't need Fish Shed in your grow. In your grow. Oh, no. So my other question is, does you, now you, you touched on the, the citrus industry a little bit. Does it work on vegetables and fruiting plants and such as well? Oh, yeah. It definitely will work on anything that's producing ter terpenes. Right. You know, everything that you ever smell or taste is a terpene from a plant. So it, it affects all of those. That's cool. Then I guess I'm going to have to work that in as well. I have some indoor uh, lemon trees uh, that every spring oh, nice. I, I move them outdoor and they get a little sunlight during the summertime and then they come back in for the winter. So I'm going to have to start supplementing them with a little bit of that and see if it comes out with some big juicy lemons fantastic foliar feed you can use it at full strength like it says on the bottle and foliar feed it um and it's uh, when you use it like that it's extremely cost effective and you can get I, I always recommend it to pepper growers guys who are looking for really really spicy peppers because it really does bring out all those spicy capsaicin oils and stuff like that um Really? I learned that the hard way one year with the pepper I was used to eating became unedible to me. <laughs> That's 
Well, that's awesome, man. Yeah, because I was gonna, I was gonna say, I usually don't feed the citrus plants much. They don't take much feed, like if at all, like maybe twice a year. I have to reamend. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, foliar feed makes sense, but that's really cool with the peppers because I do a lot with peppers as well, and I know Mike from the review also does. Uh, he he does Reaper peppers. So man, that would be that'd be cool to hear a report from him to see see if it makes a difference on his peppers as well. I don't know how much hotter you could get Reaper peppers, but. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> a, a certain degree, they're just inedible. Yeah. Well, he makes. I think he makes a hot sauce with them or something like that. <laughs> but I don't. I don't know I, who eats it. Yeah, I don't know. I've, I I've, <laughs> I took a big bite of a, a Trinidad scorpion pepper, which is kind of like a reaper pepper, and that was the end of my stupidity with peppers. Well, I, I like I like the heat, you know, and and they they say that the capsaicin, which is you know that's the heat chemical, uh, helps you to better tolerate pain and inflammation and things like that. And that's, that's part of what I suffer with and why I'm a medical mm-hmm. patient. So, you know, I, I try to practice that a little bit. Last year I grew, um, devil's tongue peppers, which is, uh, it's a hybrid from habaneros and they were fantastic. They were supposed to all be orange, but I got a rainbow mm-hmm. effect from, from yellow to red, yellow, orange, red, oh, nice. a couple of little green ones even, which is strange, but. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like an ornamental pepper where they got all the different colors in the same bush. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, and they yeah. were all squatty little habanero-shaped and sized little peppers. They were fantastic. You could only use like one per dish of whatever you were cooking. Um, mm-hmm. So I ended up pickling most of them because they were so hot. But I know I like the uh, – I do the Thai peppers every year. Those are the ones that I've grown accustomed to. Yeah, are those like – are those the long skinny ones? Yeah, they're a long, skinny one, and they kind of grow up for a while before they get heavy enough to start drooping. Okay. Rather than growing straight down, yeah. yeah. Those are the ones I've grown accustomed to. I really like Thai food and like the Chinese hot spice and stuff like that. Um, so similar to like a cayenne pepper, then, right? Yeah, kind of exactly shape wise and everything. Yeah. That's really cool. I'm, then, I'm excited um, to use that on my peppers then this year. That's that's great. Info. Yeah, man. And the other product that I sent you is our Sour D. Um, so this is like a carbohydrate product. Um, so this is kind of similar to, I mean, I guess it's similar to kind of like a bud candy or something of that nature. Um, so what we have is uh, that product is certified organic. Um, so it is a really high quality blend of cannabis specific sugars and carbohydrates okay. um, locked onto a potassium sulfate. So it's able to be absorbed. Um, and then we lock natural plant terpenes and esters into that product. So they're absorbed and put into the flower. So if you have that product around and you open the lid and smell it, I think you'd be surprised at how it smells. I already did. <laughs> yeah, you go. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's some good smell. I mean, the, the Uncle John's blend smells good, too. Like, it's it's kind of crazy. I'm, I'm starting to think the side by side might not be fair because you guys are like on a whole nother level. So. Yeah, and that's what we try and do. So everything is extremely clean. Like I said, we don't have dyes, hormones, PGRs, anything like that. We have an understanding that every one of our consumers who buys our product is either going to smoke it or eat it. And we kind of, the owner kind of feels like like it's a moral obligation for him to design fertilizers that aren't going to be negatively harmful and impactful to you to consume. Well, that's that's fantastic because that's the exact situation i guess i would say that i'm in i've tried organics indoors before and i don't know mm-hmm. if it's just my style or uh you know what have you but it always produces a smell 
I inevitably have fungus gnats. So my wife's just not really happy with it. So I had to move all my organics. I have to keep it all outdoor. And I run clean uh, cocoa indoor. And I have my little mm-hmm. regime of my three-part general hydro. So if this is something that I could replace that general hydro with and, and all the additives I have to add to that, and it's pharmaceutical grade, it's cleaner, it's better medicine I'm producing on my indoor stuff, then absolutely I'm, I'm probably going to just flip right over and switch to that. Yeah, and, it, and you know, the dry obviously isn't the same thing, but if you were to go out and buy our liquids, you would notice that the bottles are remarkably similar. The mixing style that you're used to right now, remarkably similar. Um, you just notice that our bloom doesn't have any coloring to it, so it's an absolute clear bottle. Yeah. You know, and our grow isn't tinted green. Yeah, I, I use dry amendments uh, on, on my organic stuff outside. I, I use mm-hmm. Gaia green stuff throughout my whole uh, outdoor thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the DWC, yeah, they have a really good product. Yeah, and the, the DWC that I'm working on, I'm going to be working with crop salt. They say it's really mm-hmm. simple, easy mixture situation to run a DWC. So we're working with those guys nice. as well. Yeah, and then the dry line. So I sent you, that's our louder powder. Uh, like you said, you have the AB veg, AB bloom. Um, your A is your CalMag, essentially. So that's your calcium and your iron. So that is, is used at four and a half grams per gallon. Okay. So you can directly mix that in water if you like. Otherwise, you can make a stock solution out of that and use it as a liquid. Um, and then the B is your NPK and your magnesium. Um, so the way that that's designed is in veg, you can kind of control your level of nitrogen by just bumping the B up and down. And in bloom, you can control your, your phosphorus and potassium by bumping the B up and down. And then the A can kind of stay level, um, or you can use it to adjust for more or less calcium, depending on the strain. But that, again, like I said, is all pharmaceutical, all food grade, uh, extremely clean, same, same product as our liquids. That's, that's really interesting. Now, one thing I have noticed in the past is, you know, growing in cocoa, every once in a while, I'll get some slight CalMag deficiencies, that's what I'll call it. Uh, they'll be rusting mm-hmm. and things like that I'll notice on the leaves and I'll have to up the cow mag a little bit. Now, if that becomes a case with the louder powder, what do I do? You just increase the B by a gram per gallon or not the B, excuse me, the A, the A where the calcium is at, you would increase that by one gram per gallon. uh, And that would increase your ratio of calcium. Okay. So there's not too much worry on like nutrient burn or anything with this stuff then. No, uh, so the EC of the veg is a 2.5 and the EC of the bloom is a 2.2. There definitely is room to go up. Uh, Our standard feeding recommendation does work extremely well, though, at that low EC level. But there is room to play with it there, just depending on your situation. Um, You know, we as a company try and tell you to feed at a lighter rate, more consistently. because everybody's going to have this idea that they know what they're doing. We don't know what we're doing and they're going to change our recipe. Well, generally I, uh, you know, with a new product, I'll start at a lower, lower than recommended and I'll kind of work my way up, but I, I am a frequent waterer. I'm, I'm there at least, at least once a day, if not twice a day. Mm-hmm. Consistent, cons- yeah, and you- consistent waterings is that's a habitual thing. It's like uh, meditation for me. Yeah, I was going to say my drip goes off a few times a day, watering just all the time. And then you don't have to run water with our, um, you know, you don't have to water in between fertilization. 
conditions, you can just consistently fertilize the whole time. Perfect. That is a, a, another topic that some people like to fertilize water or fertilize, fertilize water. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you can just run our product the whole time if you like. So just make a stock tank of it then? Yeah. Yeah. I make like a 50 gallon tank and that's what I water out of. Okay. And that's what they get all the time. And then I just do a water flush at the end for the last week. And then the Uncle John's blend and the sugar I gave you are really good flushing agents. Those are the only things I continue to water all the way through to the end. Okay. Well, perfect. I am ready to put that to the test. Uh, I'm going to look into uh, which genetics we have up next, and those those will be getting ran in that louder powder. No. So the Sour D is designed for anything that's a fuel, gas, lemon, or pine terpene profile-wise. Fuel, gas. Okay. And then our sugary product does anything that's kind of like a fruity or dessert type flavor. Right. Perfect. Yeah. So any of our listeners out there, if you guys want to see the results of this, I'm going to be, I'm going to switch over to it. You know, of course I'll still have some uh, general hydro running on a couple of the plants, but I'll keep it all posted in discord. We'll have it on Instagram. We'll have them all tagged. If they want to get some of that cutting edge solution stuff, where's the best place for them to find it? Um, we're available at hydro stores nationwide. Um, I know you said you looked in your area and you didn't find it, but if you can't find it, you can always reach out to us and we will make sure we contact your local store and get it for you or point you towards the store that does have it. But we are available in every state. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I'd seen, we, we have two hydro stores here. One of them, unfortunately has closed down. Uh, but yeah, they had it. They, they, uh, talked to me, but that's how I heard about you guys is, is through that guy actually. And, uh, the other hydro store, I guess they're going to have to start carrying it because I'm going to have to be coming to them to buy some newts. Yeah, the other thing that I wanted to point out is we are in the same price range that you're used to paying anyways for the products you're currently buying. Right. You're not going to notice any difference really in, in price value. They are higher quality products, um, you know, like we've discussed, but you're not going to see any real jump in bottle price from what you're used to. Yeah, well, if anything, I think it might actually decrease a little bit because... No, I got I've got the three part. Um, I, I use Turpinator. That that's the expensive part. Turpinator is very pricey. Um, I have some silica, and then I use uh, Sweet Raw for sugar at the end. Yeah, so you should be in the same price range, and we do have a wide variety of products as well. I mean, I only sent you a small section of what we have. We have different Cal CalMag products. Uh, we have a two-part CalMag and a single CalMag. Uh, we have a silica product that's extremely concentrated uh, and very, very cost-effective. Uh, we have the two different sugars, sugary and sour D. Uh, we have a really nice pH up and pH down, which is about ten percent more concentrated than the GH version. So a little bit, you know, goes a little bit longer. Um, yeah, we do have a, a wide blend of products that are available and they are all cannabis specific. And then uh, Growers is sending you out some soil. So they're going to ship you the 70-30 product. So it'll be a little bit more like the product you're used to using. And then we're sending Mike the uh, high porosity mix, which is a cocoa peat perlite blend. That's excellent. That's excellent. I was going to say, so the other product is is Growers, right? This is... Uh, growing medium that was designed and tested and produced by growers themselves, right? Yeah, essentially, yeah. So we're growers for growers. Um, 
So the guy who originally designed this uh, has been making coconut potting soil for, I'm going to say, at least 25 years now. Um, he was one of the first people to really start importing it and using it as the bulk material for potting soil. Um, so what we've done is we have sourced the highest quality um, potting soil or cocoa that we can find. And we have the sole contract for that. So all of our cocoa is extremely consistent. It's all triple washed with RO water. And what we're doing is we're washing out any type of sand or extra particulate that will come out and all of the sodium chloride because coconuts obviously grow in ocean tropical type places so the ground has a lot of salt in it so we wash all of that salt out and then what makes our product a little bit different is we rebuffer in calmag um so obviously you grow organics you know about amending soil so what we've done is we've added in some calcium and some magnesium into that product and what that does is it makes it more grower friendly right off the bat. Uh, you won't lock plants out right away in it, which is very common for people who are new to cocoa fiber as they move into it and their plants yellow right away and they don't want to uptake water or nutrient and you have to try and fight your way through that. Um, so they're made to be very user friendly. Yeah, wow, that's that's incredible. So that's really cool. All of our yeah, and then all of our products are made uh, in Colorado. Uh, we make everything out on the front range. We're kind of centralized in the U.S. that way. Um, it's naturally a bug-free environment. It's very dry. Um, so there's really just no fungus gnats up there. Um, and then all of our products are made indoors. Uh, all of our bulk materials are made indoors. Everything is bagged by an automated machine indoors. Um, and all of our products are small batch. So we don't make, you know, large hundreds and hundreds of pallet batches. Everything is um, able to be made at such a fast rate with the automated equipment that we are just making things as we need them. So like the soil that you get when it arrives at your house, we're probably no more than two to three weeks old. Wow. So made to order. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. So it's, it's extremely clean. We want our, our focus has been the commercial market for the most part. Um, this is a product that you guys are going to have to ask for it at your local store because we aren't in very many stores nationwide yet. We'd like to be, but our focus has been making an extremely clean product for the commercial industry so that they don't fail testing. So there's no heavy metals in there. There's no bugs coming in to, to land in the flower product. Um, and that's been really as a company, our focus to get started with was the commercial side. But we're definitely moving over into the retail side. For sure. And especially if it's supporting other growers, it's, it's not just some big corporate operation. I am down to support that. Yeah. So I think you're really going to like it. Uh, the bag that you have that you're going to get is a 1.8 cubic foot bag. It's our blue label. And like I said, it's our 70, 30 mix. So you're going to have a really consistent dry back. Um, you know, 70, 30 mix has become the industry standard for, for potting soil for coconut fiber. Uh, there's a lot of different mixes that are out there. Um, there's a lot of other mixes on the market that are designed to be cocoa fiber and dry really fast, but a lot of them will have sawdust in them. Uh, so sawdust has a, a 1 to 300 carbon to nitrogen ratio. So it has this tendency to really rob fertilizer for a good while until it starts that decomposition process. And it also has natural fungus and stuff in it, which harbor fungus gnats. Um, so we don't use any wood products in any of our, our materials. It's all raw coconut and then different things like perlite or peat. But it's designed to dry real fast. 
Hey everybody, I'm Gordy with Growers Cocoa, here to tell you about our premium cocoa fiber products. We do loose bag cocoa, we have a 70-30 mix, an organic loose cocoa, and a high porosity cocoa heat gun. All are made with your garden in mind, absolutely clean, bagged indoors in small batches. Definitely check us out at Growers Grown, Growers Cocoa on Instagram, and at growersoil.com online. So how long have you guys been around? Um, Growers has been in business, I think, for six years now. Um, the owner, like I said, has been making, he owned a previous company in California that made potting soil, uh, cocoa-based potting soil, and sold that and moved to Colorado. Uh, but, you know, he's been making potting soils for a long time. I was going to say, uh, did, did you guys get hit with that shortage? Um in 2021 i want to say uh we were doing grows we were doing cocoa grows commercially and we had this just dry spell where apparently we couldn't get cocoa uh, or manufacturers couldn't get it there was a an issue with india yeah so it was an issue out of india we had that for i'm gonna say no more than 30 days um like i said we are single source with where we get our cocoa from so this company actually only manufactures cocoa bricks directly for us. Um, so we didn't necessarily have a lot of the issue that the other companies did who are just trying to buy cocoa out on the open market. Man, where were you two years ago? It would have solved so much headache. <laughs> yeah, it's still right here, just waiting for my phone to ring. <laughs> That's good stuff, man. Well, I'll definitely keep that in mind for the next time. I'm going to, I'm going to try to get some people to, to swap over if this stuff's worth its weight in gold. Like you say, it is, uh, definitely at my grow shop. I'm going to have to have him get that cutting edge stuff in so I can continue with it. And, uh, you said we can, we should be able to ask for it. We can start getting it in markets all across the country, right? The, the grower soil. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're, we're growers is willing to sell to any retail that that's willing to have us. Um, if you're in the Missouri area, you can go to uh, grow active solution. Uh, I have a couple of stores here in Michigan that are carrying it. Uh, Elevated Equipment Supply, for instance, is one of them. Um, Horizon Hydro is another here in Michigan. Um, but we are spread out a little bit here and there. Cultivate in the Denver area, Colorado area. You can go to either Cultivate store. Or there's a Cultivate in Oklahoma City that carries it. Um, so it is available out in some you know niche regions, but we have to try and get it out into more. Right on. Well, hopefully I can help you get it into Washington because sounds like my new favorite soil <laughs> yeah the price really to get it into washington isn't too much different than to get it into michigan so it should definitely be doable i was gonna say what do you what do you think an msrp will be per bag <clears throat> um they generally msrp for anywhere from 20 to 24 dollars. i feel like is the most i've seen one but they're close to two cubic feet so it's in the same ballpark as buying a pro mix it's just kind of a cleaner cocoa-based product product instead okay i was gonna say that's that's about normal that's that's what i pay for anything else i buy so yeah exactly um you know some regions of the country i don't know what it is about illinois but soil is so expensive in illinois but there are just some you know pocket regions where the pricing is a little bit more than others but yeah it's it's strange how different states are weird about certain products especially when it has to do with the cannabis industry here in washington mm -hmm. it's glass jars if you're a producer here uh, or a, a processor uh producer processor and you you actually jar your own flour and sell it to the shops 
the jars have a special tax that you have to pay, which is crazy. And then, of course, unfortunately, that tax just trickles down to the end consumer. But it's it's weird how our state, like, it's almost like you double pay. Let me put it that way. You have to, like, double mm-hmm. pay for glass jars. Yeah, they are. They're all a little bit different. Michigan has, um, I think, a 16% sales tax eventually that the, the consumer has to pay on everything. But at least our tax money that we have is funneled into roads, schools, and hospitals. That's like the only thing they can spend that money on is that style of infrastructure. Yeah. Well, here. So that's at least nice. Here, supposedly, it's all funneled into our uh, state insurance and also the general fund. Um, but who knows where that money really goes, unfortunately. But that's uh, no, yeah, exactly. nor here nor there. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to running these products, man. You've you've absolutely hyped them up, especially like I said, I don't I don't know if the side by side's even going to be fair. Like you guys <laughs> you guys are on a different level, just that's that's all there is to it. That's that's really cool. So, uh we should have some episodes of business with buds coming up with uh Sayless. That's a member of our team. Um and he is going to have you on to talk more about this cocoa and and uh, the cutting edge solution stuff and go over growing as well. Uh, he's a, uh, he's a East coast grower and he, he kind of goes over more of the business side of things and business metrics mm-hmm. and such. So. Right on. Yeah. Well, I'm definitely excited to uh, do as many of these as you guys would like to have me on here for. So that's cool, man. That's cool. I'm going to get you in touch with Thor as well. That dude, he knows his stuff. Let me just say, say that. He uh, he's going to be actually doing a breeding project with the review, so that's something all our listeners can look forward to there. Um, but yeah, you you guys need to hop on and and talk breeding. Yeah, definitely. I'm always interested to see how other people are doing it, and um, you know, everybody comes at it from such a different perspective. It's always interesting to see how people end up with what they end up with. Now, Thor uh, is a deep water culture grower, so. It's really interesting the way he does it as well. <clears throat> yeah, I, I don't have clean enough water for deep water culture. That's something I've always wanted to try, but I haven't bought an RO yet. So, no. I've always I've always been interested though. You do get some some crazy big yields out of that. That's it. Well, I guess that's going to do it for this episode, man. I I really appreciate you coming on and talking about your products, and I'm going to obviously do this this grow. I'm, super excited for i'll have you back on to talk about it even yeah maybe i can give you a couple of week by week tips as you go through sure absolutely absolutely well cool thank you for having me i really appreciate the opportunity to be on so yeah man um so if anybody has any questions about any of these products we talked about hit him up on ig growers grown um what's what's your websites for those products uh growersoil.com and cuttingedgesolutions.com. You can also get Cutting Edge Solutions on Instagram at, at Cutting Edge Solutions. Awesome. Well, you guys got it. And of course, don't forget to keep up with everything we have going on with the review. And you don't want to miss our 420 giveaway that's coming up. It's about a month away. It has tons of stuff, a whole grow kit. Uh, there's seeds, there's merch, there's nutrients, all kinds of good stuff. And remember to like us and add us to your favorites on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
And as always, grow for good.